Okay. Well, today we are wrapping up our series on the same God. But first, uh, a couple of things that I want to share. At the beginning of the year, uh, I challenged you with a word. What was the word? Commit. That's right. And we talked about Proverbs in uh, chapter 16, verse 3, that in whatever you do, commit to the Lord whatever you do. So it doesn't matter if you're a student, doesn't matter if you're a little kiddo, doesn't matter if you own a business or if you're an employee of somewhere, it doesn't matter if, if you go to school, whatever the case is, whatever you do, commit to the Lord. And I committed to challenge you, and it's the beginning of March. So are you committing your whatevers to the Lord? And the, the promise in that is all of your plans will succeed, right? And so we want to be able to see the fruit of that. I'd love to hear the stories of that, of the things that you're committing to God, your whatevers, that the fruit is there, that your plans are succeeding. And if you want to share those with me, not right now, but um, I'd, I'd love to hear it too. If you don't, if you've got to leave early today, if you can't uh, stick around, here's what I want you to hear today. God's grace is enough for you. And it doesn't matter what kind of scars you have, doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done and maybe what you're doing. God's grace is enough for you. So do you have scars? You have any scars? Good ones, right? Our scars, they tell stories sometimes, right? There's good scars, right? The reminder of what happened um, that one time. Remember that one time? And uh, that, then that's where the, the thing happened. And you got, it hurt at the time, didn't it? Yeah, it hurt, but it tells you a really good story. And it's a good reminder of the great memory that you had. And then there's bad scars too, right? They're reminders of things that maybe were not so awesome. That uh, maybe a result of a, a surgery that you had to be rushed into. Uh, a reminder of a memory that you wish that you could forget. But regardless, those scars are there, right? And it's a constant reminder to us every day when we wake up, right? And we've been over to tie our shoes and, oh, there's that big old scar. I remember that. There's one right here when I look in the mirror every day. Uh, there's things that happen. The good and the bad of that time where your body was physically altered for a lifetime. And it's the memory that sticks with you as well. When we think about scars, uh, probably uh, all have some physical kind of scar. Uh, raise your hand if you have at least one on your body. A physical scar somewhere, yeah. And if you don't, you probably haven't lived real hard. Uh, maybe you've been inside a lot. I don't know. You can get scars indoors, too. But um, there's, there's more than just the physical kind, right? They're, they're those, the physical scars, they're easy to identify. But um, we also have scars in our heart and on our mind. And uh, those non-physical scars that we, that we live with in our life, probably they probably hurt more than the physical ones because they tend to linger, don't they? And... Uh, the, the fallout from years of physical, uh, uh, maybe, maybe it's the fallout of years of physical abuse. That, uh, you know, the physical part is gone now, but the emotional or the mental scars 
are still gaping there. Maybe it's a torn relationship where terrible words were said, and those words left a scar. Um, the hard part about these mental and emotional scars that we have, nobody can see them. There's no story there unless we choose to share it, right? And so uh, they're not visible to anyone except the person that's carrying them. And if you've lived for more than about 30 minutes, chances are you're carrying those scars with you, whether it be physical or mental or emotional. But these scars, uh, the, the subtle ones and the not-so-subtle ones, are reminders of what we have been and what we have done in our lives, okay? kind of like a roadmap uh, of our lives. So today we're wrapping up this journey that we've been talking about, looking at the sameness of God. We sang about it earlier today, and uh, we've explored a few accounts in Scripture of how consistent God has been over time, right? And uh, He's the same today, right now, as He was with David and Moses and Mary and Paul and His disciples, all of those things. He's the same God then as He is now. And, and along this journey, we've discovered um, some characteristics of the grace of God uh, and how present it has been in our lives from the beginning till right now as well. We've talked about the prevenient grace of God, the, the grace that's urging us towards a relationship with Jesus Christ, even before we uh, really believe who he is. And grace, uh, that grace is helping us connect with Jesus. We've talked about the saving grace of God, that it's available because of what Jesus did for you and I on the cross as a, a sacrifice for our sins. And it's grace that's necessary because we are sinners, right? And our sin does not make us bad, okay? Our sin makes us dead. That's the wages of sin is death. And our sin, and it's not, we talked about, um, that it's not a, a battle to see who the worst sinner is. It's not a contest. Because one sin is enough. So we're all the worst, all right? You can nudge your neighbor and say, you're the worst, okay? Because that's true. We're all the worst. And, um, and so we've talked about how that saving grace is extended to us by God. And all we have to do is accept it. And then we talked about last week, the sanctifying grace of God. This grace that carries us to a daily surrender to our, of everything in our entire life and give it over to Jesus. And every day, it's a day-by-day -day thing, sometimes minute-by-minute, minute, if that's what's appropriate, right? And this grace encourages us to let go of the past completely, uh, all the control that we might have, and not get back in the boat. That's what we talked about with the disciples last year, week, that we don't get back in the boat and return to what graceless life looks like. Well, today we get to finish up with a couple more characteristics of God's grace. And they're not as big words, uh, churchy words, if you will. Um, but what we're talking about today is it's helped us to see that why over time God and his grace have always been the same. These character the characteristics that we'll talk about today are this. That God's grace is sustaining. It, over time and in our lives, it's sustaining. And God's grace is sufficient. <coughs> is sufficient for us. A couple weeks ago... <clears throat> Excuse me. We talked about the grace of God and how it impacted Saul. Do you remember that? Saul saw the bright light. Okay, there's like three heads shaking. Thank you. Um, I'm just making sure you're still out there. 
And his name turned into Paul, and his life turned around, and his life changed, the purpose of his life changed, but his passion did not. He was still driven and motivated to be the best, but it was the best Jesus follower he could be instead of the best Christian killer that he could be. And we get to go back to the Apostle Paul's life today to explore the sustaining grace of God and the sufficient grace of God and the example that he gives us. So um, we'll, we'll explore some of those things he shared about and um, how God extended his grace to him. First of all, sustaining grace, uh, the sustaining grace of Paul's life. He had a lot of scars. Paul had a lot of scars. See, um, Paul had reminders of his service to God from things that had been done to him in service to Jesus. Because he'd been through a world of persecution just because he was witnessing for Christ. And we can read about the, we'll read about these things in just a minute. Uh, but we read about it in a, in a letter that Paul wrote to a group of Jesus followers in the city of Corinth. So if you want to um, pop over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that's where we're going to be at today. We'll get there in just a moment. But 2 Corinthians. Uh, but I, I want to kind of share the purpose for this letter. First uh, Corinthians and Second Corinthians were letters to the Jesus followers, the Christians in Corinth. And um, these letters, they were written about two years apart, and they uh, served a very different purpose for Paul writing them. And uh, first of all, let's give you a little snapshot of Corinth and the Corinthian church, okay? Uh, as we study scripture, it's always good to kind of give some details about the dynamics that surround what we're reading. Helps us maybe understand. We all learn differently. We all intake things differently. And so uh, this kind of sets the tone for our hearts and minds so they get synced up. This is Corinth. You can see on the right uh, map that uh, Corinth is kind of on this peninsula of the, the country of Greece, current day Greece. And then you can kind of see in the other, on the left-hand side, how close it was to the water. And it's, a, it's an isthmus, if you know what an isthmus is. It's just this little land bridge between the areas in Greece. And people would bring their boats in to either port in the either sea. And sometimes they would transfer their goods from one boat to the next, because you can see it's not very far. Or they would put the boats on the rollers and roll them across the isthmus. It's kind of a good idea, too. So, um, Corinth was this uh, seaport of uh, a city, and there was always lots of different types of people there. He, Paul would have originally been to Corinth on his second missionary trip. Paul, when he was commissioned to go to the uttermost part of the earth, he literally did. And he traveled all over the Mediterranean Rim, and he planted churches. And he would have gone to Corinth on his second missionary trip. Corinth today could be equated to the city of Las Vegas, if you will. If you want a mental picture of what Corinth was back then, think about Las Vegas minus the desert and the slot machines. All right? Well, I don't know. Maybe they had those too. No desert. but Sin City, that's the nickname for Las Vegas, right? And Corinth would have been exactly the same thing. And the people in Corinth, they struggled with every type of sin imaginable. Um, the sins of the flesh and pride and all, you name it, they were in it. And, and Paul traveled there 
to tell these people about Jesus. And then, so, well, real quick. 1 Corinthians was the first letter that Paul wrote. And just a couple of little um, details about 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was written first. Duh. Right? Paul spent time in Corinth as a church planner. He brought, usually probably he had a couple of people that came with him, but he would spend time in these places as a church planner for months, maybe a year, and he would get settled and he would and share the gospel of Jesus. And then as people would come to Christ, he would help teach them what it looks like to be a, uh, a follower. And sometimes uh, more and more people would come and, and be a part of that. But his mission for sharing Jesus with people, he would just go around to each city and do that. And he would teach, he would mentor people and disciple them. And then when it was time to go, when he felt led to move on by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, then he would leave. And he would trust these followers to continue to a uh, life of following Christ. And to continue to build their relationship with Jesus. And so um, Paul gets word after he's left that the Corinthian church is kind of headed back to um, the culture that they were living in, to idol worship and to uh, all these sins that, and so they just go back to the old way of life. They got back in the boat, if you will. And he returned, they were returning to idol worship and these, and prostitution and sexual sin, you name it, again, they were doing it. So Paul writes them a letter, and it's called 1 Corinthians in our Bible, but it was just a letter that said, Dear Corinthians, and um, he addresses this mess that they're kind of in, and, and he addresses their faithfulness to Christ, and he calls them out, and he kind of whips on them a little bit uh, in words, not truthfully, uh, not literally. And he encourages them to commit solely to Jesus Christ and maintain that relationship day after day after day, kind of stuff that we're talking about uh, for the last few weeks. And they end up, after writing this letter, um, you know, he tells them, you can't take, you can't mix this worldly life and a godly life and then manage both of them as if they're different. There's only one life. And he writes this letter, and the Corinthian people, they get back to where they need to be for a while. And then they begin to sink back into their old ways again. And Paul's, his influence and his, his name it specifically, it, it falls into question. And these false teachers start to discredit him. And they say, well, he's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he, he came and he left. He doesn't care about you. This God that he brought with him doesn't care about you. So you just go back to the old way. It doesn't matter. And the, the, the false teachers were a constant threat to the gospel uh, that, that Paul was sharing with people. And because the followers in Corinth had a pretty weak foundation and they didn't continue to build on their relationship with Christ, they listened to the false teachers. Enter the second letter. 2 Corinthians was written just a couple of years later, and this letter would have been difficult for Paul to write because he was humble. He was a humble soul, and he had lived that life of power um, and influence and pride before he encountered Jesus when he was Saul, so he knows what, that's not the life we want to live, and he was a pretty humble, uh, humble life now, <coughs> but because of these false teachings that were going on, he, uh, 
he has to kind of write a resume of, of sort, okay? When we, write a, when we write a resume, what do we do? We write all the great things that we've done, what we've accomplished, any awards we've been given. Um, businesses, like when you get interviewed, they want to hear your strengths, okay? They kind of want to hear your weaknesses, too, and that's where we're headed. Because Paul wrote this resume for, uh, for the church uh, in, Cor- in Corinth to make sure that he, they knew he was a credible source, that he knew what he was talking about because of the life that he's lived. But his list of resume was not accomplishments. Instead, Paul chose to share his weaknesses. Now, he could have, the resume would have been great. He could have told them, oh, you know how many churches that I've planted? Okay, there's a lot. I, I've been traveling for years, and I've planted lots of churches. And he probably could have given an account of all the, the new believers that came to Christ because of his ministry. And he probably could have shared that, oh, I baptized X amount of people in, in the name of Jesus because of the ministry that he had had in different places. He didn't get, but he doesn't give membership numbers, right? He didn't share how many baptisms there are and, and who, who, was, who was saved and who was not. Now, all those things are relevant, right? In churches today, we count certain things because we find them important. But those, they all serve a great purpose. But in this case, Paul needed to share something completely different to give him the credibility that he needed. And what Paul shared were his weaknesses. He shared his scars with everybody. And it doesn't tell him, it doesn't show, show him all about the things that he could boast about. The, the scripture says boast, which is another word for brag on yourself. He didn't brag on himself. Instead, he lists all these things that were done to him because of what God had asked him to do for the rest of his life, both physically and mentally. And let me tell you, it's a long list. And in, in Hebrew, or excuse me, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to read this list so you can see it for yourselves. In, in chapter 11, verse 24, you can find it. It's, uh, and so here we go. This is Paul speaking in his letter to the Corinthians. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stone. He was stoned. Not, he was, the stones were thrown at him. Once uh, I was shipwrecked. Oh, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from fellow Jews, in dangers from Gentiles, in dangers in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, in danger from false believers. It's a lot of danger. I've labored and I've toiled and I've often gone without sleep and I've known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food and I've been cold and I've been naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches that he has planted. He faces concern. He has a heavy weight to bear because of the things that he has done um, in this ministry of planting churches all over the place. He bears that weight. And um, he thinks about who is weak, and I do not, I do not feel weak. Who has led to sin, and I do, not, uh, I do not inwardly burn. In verse 30 he says, But if I must boast, I boast in the things that show my weakness. Wow. Five times he was gotten 39 lashes. 
that probably would have left some scars, wouldn't it? Five, three times he was beaten with rods, most likely, left some scars. He was stoned, okay? He was shipwrecked uh, multiple times, just spent all kinds of dangerous, he incurred all kinds of dangerous things simply because of the God that he served. But weakness is what Paul chose to lift up. Primarily because when Paul shared his weakness, the strength of, and the power of God is what was glorified. And when Paul showed his scars, God was being lift, lifted up in every single way possible. Because it was God that delivered Paul from all those terrible circumstances, right? When he was left for dead... Being, uh, being stoned outside the city walls. He was left for dead. Who sustained him? It was God. And God's strength in his weakness. And so it was God that received the glory for all the people that Paul had led to Christ. It was God's sustaining grace that prolonged Paul's life. And it continued to use him in advancing the kingdom of God. One chapter later, Paul addresses more of his scars. To the Corinthian church. And this one was physical, but it was also mental. Here in, in chapter 12, Paul shares about a thorn of the flesh that God gave to him. So this is a gift from God that, that God granted to him. And it was some kind of a physical health issue, right? Not sure what it was, something, something that reminded, but it was something that reminded Paul daily of his struggle, his encounter with Christ, right? Remember Jacob, back in the Old Testament, he had an encounter with God, and God touched his hip socket, and he limped the rest of his life. Well, this is a thorn in the flesh similar to that. And nobody knows really what it was. Some speculate that it was a vision issue. Maybe Paul couldn't see so well, which he had an encounter where he saw the glory of God shine right in his face, Vision issue makes sense, right? Uh, some say maybe it was something else to parallel what we know as arthritis, right? And after taking all the beatings that he took, that would be understandable as well. But let's be honest, what it was doesn't matter. But the fact that it was there, uh, what matters is the, that it was present every day in Paul's life. And before Paul became Paul, when he was Saul, he hated and tortured Christians. So this is kind of my thought um, in just what I think about, the little peek under the, in, in the window of my life. But maybe because of the torment and the torture that he put on Christians' lives, maybe it was more guilt-driven, this thorn of the flesh, that every day he gets up and feels the overwhelming guilt of having tortured Christians to death. And the mental pictures of the things that were in his life, the, the Christians that he, um, that he tortured and had put in prison and all of those things. And every day he woke up with those mental scars. I don't know. It could have been some of both. We don't know what it was because Paul doesn't choose to tell us what it was. But what matters is when it comes to the thorn of the flesh uh, and, and why it's there, and why Paul had to continue his life with it, Paul says the thorn was there to keep him from being conceited, to keep him from becoming self-reliant on the things that he was accomplishing. And it was a constant reminder 
of what Paul could only do through the grace of God. So regardless, though, Paul asked God three times, can you take this away from me? And he has this little uh, conversation with God, and it's accounted here in his letter in chapter 12, and start in verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul now, Jesus said that to him. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am made strong. God is made strong. God chose not to take that thorn of the flesh away for good reason. What was the reason? God's sufficient grace. It was the completion of this equation, right? God, Paul's weakness plus God's strength equals God is glorified. If it was Paul's strength, there would be no plus anything. Just Paul's strength, then we glorify God. Well, after a while, that might not be the case. Maybe we start to take uh, credit for what we're doing, what we're capable of, instead of the sufficient grace of God. So God's grace was sufficient for Paul and his weaknesses and his thorn in the flesh. God's grace was sufficient, going back to last week, for Peter's failure when he, when he didn't trust Jesus for being the Savior, of, and he denied him three times. God's grace was sufficient, going back three weeks ago, to the woman who was uh, known for her sinful life that drew her closer to Jesus and fueled her desire to seek him out and have a relationship with him. God's grace was sufficient. It was enough for all of them. And just... As we've been talking about for four weeks now, God is the same then, he's the same today as he was with Peter and Paul and the woman caught in sin. We'll call her Mary, okay? So Peter, Paul, and Mary, just because. If you're a child of the 70s, you know what I'm talking about. So God's grace is sufficient. It was sufficient for Paul and Peter and Mary. But God's grace is sufficient for me when I fall short. And I tend to think that I have more to do with God's plan than he does. God's grace is sufficient for you when you have a hard time letting go of the things of your past. God's grace is sufficient for all of us in everything that we do. And we get caught up in living like the rest of the world wants us to live. God's grace is sufficient. What we do with, uh, and so what do we do with that sufficient grace, right? God tells us, or Paul tells us rather, that um, what he did, what, it, what he did, and it seemed to work out. In, in chapter 12, verse 10, he says, therefore, I will boast, right? That is why. Here's why I, I boast. I will boast for Christ's sake. I delight in my weakness, 
and the insults and the hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He's like, brag? What am I going to brag about? What, what, what in my life could I tell everybody about? Well, I'm going to tell everybody about how strong God is and how he sustains my life on a daily basis. That's what Paul chose to do. And on, he says, own your weaknesses. Do it. Don't avoid them and own it. Okay? We're not perfect. We fall short. And it also means don't lament those weaknesses and use them as an excuse. Because then we, then we completely take God out of the variable again, right? We take him out of the equation. Which means to me that if you, um, we, we could always use kid workers, right? And you're like, well, I can't work with kids. I don't do kids, right? That's hard. But I had kids. They grew up, and that's why I'm super glad. So I don't do kids. But if God's grace is sufficient, maybe you should boast in your weakness. Step out there. And yes, it's going to be hard to take the first step, but then allow the sufficient grace of God and his strength to carry you through something that you're weak at, right? Maybe you say, well, I've done ministry and I've been a part of this and that. I'm a little older now and it's somebody else's turn. Well, um, there's no retirement age to sharing the gospel of Christ, okay? And maybe it's you being a mentor to somebody who's not quite ready, but they want to help, and you step out. And your weaknesses, and it's not because you're old that you're weak, it just means that you're using that as a possibility to not do something, and you use that uh, and allow God's strength to fill in that gap. Because in our equation of my weaknesses... And God's strength, this, this variable right here, is infinite. Okay? Wherever I fall short, that's where he brings it back to, to equal. Right? So God's grace is sufficient. And that we trust that when Paul says, I delight in my weaknesses, that Christ is being glorified. Because when I'm weak, his strength makes my weaknesses perfect. So after Paul became a Jesus follower... Life got way easier, didn't it? Or should we go back to what we read in chapter 11? His life didn't get easier, right? He, it, it didn't erase all those memories from his life, okay? It didn't take away the 39 lashes and the stoning and the rods and being shipwrecked. That doesn't sound like a party to me. And Paul had this thorn in the flesh that he asked God three times to take away. And what did God say? My grace is sufficient. And sometimes God does meet our needs. Um, and he meets the needs of people around you by substitution. You take away the, the bad part and he puts in the good part. And he meets those needs. Sometimes that happens. And, and we trade those things out. And that's awesome. And that's what we pray about. And we give glory to God for the things that he does when he meets our needs. But sometimes he meets our needs by transformation. And it takes a while. And he doesn't remove the affliction. Right? He didn't remove Paul's affliction. Rather, he just tells us and he shows us that God's grace was sufficient and it is sufficient today. So the affliction, it works for us. 
that we are feel, oh, I feel weak today. I can't walk very good. My back hurts and I can't go. And then we feel the strength of the Holy Spirit working through us and he is glorified instead. So Paul saw that firsthand in his life the sustaining grace of God, that God kept him alive, right? God kept strength, uh, kept him full of enough strength to travel from place to place and spread the gospel to all the parts of the world. And God's grace was sufficient for Paul. And God didn't offer any explanations for not taking away Paul's affliction. He didn't say, and Paul didn't say, well, I asked him three times, and he said, well, you got to do this and this and this, and if you do that, then maybe I'll think about it. No, he just said that um, my grace is sufficient. That was it. My grace is sufficient, and he doesn't take away those afflictions. Instead, Paul gave him a promise. My grace is sufficient. Why did he do that? Because God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And we'll always have to bear scars of our physical body, won't we? We can't get rid of them. Even if we try to get them surgically removed, there'll be a scar from the surgery. So it's a never-ending cycle. We'll always bear those scars. And there'll be reminders of the good and the bad parts of our life. But they're, they're what makes us who we are, right? It's, it's, who we, uh, it's the experiences that we've had. They showed us that we are always, uh, that we're not always strong enough. And we fell off of whatever and got a huge cut on my leg. And, and they're there to show us that, um, that we're, n- we're not always going to be the best. But, and we can't, we can't unlive those scars away anymore. We can't change the past. We can't get rid of all of that. But God's grace is there. And it always will be. It's there to sustain us. Despite the trials uh, that life brings us, sometimes daily, it's there to keep walking us through life when things aren't going great, right? We, this week, we have fixed so much stuff, right? Trials come. We had, you know, we've got plumbing, and we've got cars, and we've got washing machine and dry. Everything broke down at the same time, and it stinks. I hate it. I don't like doing those things. Right? But you have to. Trials come in our lives. It's real life. That's not even to mention the trials of, uh, that Satan could bring to you um, and say, well, you're just not good enough. You're not, um, a good, you're not a good pastor, Paul. You can't do this. All the things, just like Paul talked about, where he had a weight to bear. And it, it doesn't happen because God's grace is there and sustains us. And God's grace is enough. It's sufficient. And it doesn't say it's extravagant or luxurious, does it? It's sufficient. And we have a hard time living with sufficient sometimes, don't we? Well, that'll get us by. All right? I'd like to have a brand new car, not one that just gets me from A to B. I just want one that doesn't break down, I'll be honest. Um, but God's grace is enough. And it's there to make our weaknesses perfect. Because of his strength. So those characteristics of grace, the provenient grace, the saving grace, the sanctifying grace, God's sustaining grace, 
and his sufficient grace in our lives is always going to be present. And we need to see it, we need to experience it, and we need to say yes to it. Um, Next week, we get to launch into a new focus, and we're going to turn our hearts towards Easter. And 